on behalf of uh, all the other priests and clergy uh, and seminarians, happy Easter. Thanks for helping us celebrate our Lord's resurrection. Thank you, Maestro. Uh, thank you, Charles. And thank you also to uh, everyone else in the rectory. We have a house of, of six now. Our usual house of three has been complimented by the, the now famous Father Anthony Robbie. You heard him preach on uh, Good Friday uh, and the, the morning Latin masses at 8 a.m. He's a priest from the Archdiocese of Sydney. He is the postulator for the cause of Eileen O'Connor. He is an old friend of mine from seminary. We were in Rome together uh, finishing our studies at the same time. He was ordained in April of 98. I was ordained in May of 1998. And um, uh, now that everyone loves him and, and loves his preaching, I think it's time for him to go home. So um, may have to get him a boat if the planes aren't flying. And all of the seminarians are dispersed throughout the diocese. Their seminaries shut down within uh, or between six weeks and three weeks ago. So uh, they've been sent to various rectories throughout the diocese. Some went to their parents, but almost all of them went to rectories. So fortunately, Charles Wilton is back home. Welcome back home, Charles. And Joe Flaherty, who is a seminarian, uh, also in First Theology, uh, in the same academic year, is here and doing well. So um, when you see us seated near each other over there on the other side of the altar, we're not very far apart from each other, but that's because we actually legally constitute a household. So we live together, therefore if one of, it gets, if one of us gets sick, all of us get sick. So we don't have to be six feet apart in the sanctuary. Uh, thank you for your comments. Um, appreciate your concern. Uh, please keep on praying for us. On behalf of all of us, happy Easter. Uh, I pray it's a blessed and um, grace-filled day to be with our risen Lord. Um, I say blessed because I don't mean happy. Uh, and I say grace-filled because I don't mean, <laughs> I don't mean happy. Because uh, it's possible to be filled with grace and um, truly blessed and not be happy. A lot of us aren't happy. And I won't try to convince you to be happy. Um, heaven knows I'm um, the prophet of being joyful, not happy. Uh, I'm looking across at the, at the lovely niche, which is now almost finished with the P.A. Todd. The Sacred Heart used to be there. Now the Sacred Heart statue is in the new vestibule or narthex or mudroom, as the case may be. But the, the P.A. Todd is finally on display again. It was missing for, I don't even know how many months now, because we've been painting. I haven't been painting. Mandy Hayne has been painting the niche there and the, the wooden uh, platform done by St. Jude Liturgical Shop is in. The candles that we have for traditional Rukri masses are back there. It's lovely. I'll, I'll post pictures of it later today. It's really beautiful. 
There's flowers there because it's Easter Sunday. The, the wall is painted blue. It's a glaze with an archwork design around it. It's beautiful. What's the image? The image is of Our Lady with her son's dead body on her lap. And that would, you, you would think that would be the type of thing that you would see on, on Good Friday, not on Easter Sunday, but it was covered on Good Friday, not covered on Easter Sunday. It's open, just like all the statues were unveiled last night during the Easter Vigil. Well, in particular, the Pieta now uncovered, it's, it's, it's beautiful. I, I've, I know the original, uh, the original by Michelangelo is in St. Peter's Basilica. As soon as you walk in, turn to the right, it's the first side chapel. That's where I met Pope St. John Paul II the first time on Holy Thursday morning, Prison Mass in St. Peter's Basilica. And I uh, um, was the thurifer for that Mass. It was awesome. I have the pictures. I won't post those because uh, I was 40 pounds ago. And after the Mass, Pope St. John Paul II greets all of us and individually, not for a very long time. Um, there's a funny story about a very good friend of mine who thought that John Paul II was going to pray a long time with them because um, the Pope's... He asked the Pope, I'll tell the story, he's... he's he was the book bearer because he was the shortest. Now you know who I'm talking about. He was the shortest, and he's and he so he got to be the book bearer. And when he's meeting JP two after mass, he he entrusts to him a, a, a real serious prayer intention, and and JP two says, "Let us pray." And and so my buddy thought that okay, we're going to pray right now for my friend, and he just was yanked by the elbow by the usher, meaning uh, the Pope didn't mean we're going to pray now. It's just that we're going to pray for your friend, but you need to go. So then I'm next. And uh, my, this is, I don't know, I can't remember the date. It was early April, um, uh, a week prior, late March, March 24th, I think is the day. My dad was diagnosed with lung cancer. Uh, He died of it in July of that same year. And so the very, very first time I met JP2, I'm with um, this heavy heart, and it's Chrism Mass, and I've been as thoroughfare. It's, it was awesome, but totally sad. I wasn't happy. It was grace-filled, but completely sad. And after the Mass, I'm meeting Pope John Paul II for the first time, and I shake his hand, and I tell him, uh, Holy Father, my father's dying of cancer. Uh, I'm flying home later today. Please please pray for him. And so he did. I got the rosary. And um, obviously, you know, it was a very sad, horribly sad flight, horribly sad Good Friday, horribly sad Holy Saturday, horribly sad Easter Sunday. It was grace-filled. It was blessed. But it, it, would, it was still horribly sad. I was with my dad. That was good. I was with my mom. Loved them to death. Uh, um. But, but horribly sad, but still grace-filled. And, and for many of us, that is the best we can do right now. Uh, we're not happy about a lot of things. Uh, we're not happy about a lot of people. We're not happy about um, our situation. 
Uh, we're not happy about people who have harmed our loved ones. We're not happy about um, evil that's being inflicted on people. We're not happy about um, evil that people are inflicting on that people are inflicting on themselves. Um, and so, when we're in that state of mind, if we when we hear about the resurrection, it, it might engender a kind of cynicism or bitterness. Uh, what does it matter? I, my, you know, my dad is still dead. My loved ones are still sick. My unemployed best friends are still unemployed. My, you know, the people that I love who are running away from God, they're still running away from God. And Jesus rose from the dead, but they're, those people are all still suffering. There's a difference, though, between hearing about our Lord's resurrection and trying to be there. And that's a difference uh, I would especially suggest for anyone who's into um, the faith as, a, as an occupation. So seminarians, there's no other clergy here right now, but maybe they're listening in the rectory. But I say to myself, there's, a, there's an occupational hazard that we, we hear about all these things, but we don't always take the next step of actually being there. As an example, to hear about our Lord's resurrection, uh, honestly, it bounces off of me. Uh, I'm still upset and concerned and worried about all the other things that I'm upset and concerned to worry about. However, if I actually try to physically place myself there, if I try to be with him, then I'm that then I then everything's different. Everything is different. Nothing nothing can get me down if I'm actually with him. If I'm if I'm there. Some of us experience that difference in our prayers. We say prayers, but it doesn't affect us. Make take the extra step of actually being being there, being placing yourself in God's presence. Um putting yourself at the manger, putting yourself at the foot of the cross, putting yourself at the outside the empty tomb, uh where you think he's a gardener and then you realize it's Jesus. Or put yourself put yourself with Mary and Joseph, put yourself with them. And then talk to them. Total complete difference. It's a, it's um it's hard to describe. I find it hard to describe, but it's real. So, on Good Friday, you don't have the benefit of having the Pieta uncovered, so you can just look at it. If you're going to be there, you actually have to visualize it. You have to be there. You have to make the effort of being there. Now, on Easter Sunday, we see the, our, our Lady holding the body of her dead son, but notice how the church always depicts our Lord in death except for some of our exuberant friends in um, foreign countries. Um, and here, because everyone's come here in the meantime. So, look at our Lord on the cross. Uh, there is just enough evidence that he 
has died. There's just a, there's there's a wound on his side, his right lung. There's there there's some blood dripping from the nail marks. But classically, certainly originally and classically, um, except for some beautiful Spanish images of our Lord crucified. Um, Classically, our Lord's death is depicted actually as a victory, as glory. He isn't depicted with all the wounds and all the cuts and all the blood all over him. It's not a reenactment of him. When, when we Christians see the, our Lord crucified in that manner, that is a proclamation of the fact that that was his victory. He's no longer dead. He is risen from the grave. If he hadn't risen from the grave, then maybe the only way that the cross would be depicted would be in just utter shame and uh, humiliation covered in blood and sores and cuts. And, and, uh, and, but that's not what we see. When you look at the Pieta, whether it be our very bleached image or the, or the, or the original, in Rome, it, it, it's glowing with life. It, it's a proclamation of Easter Sunday. It's a proclamation of the fact that Jesus is risen. Our lady's son is no longer dead. He lives forever. And that moment of glory, the moment when he conquered death, is, is permanently etched in our mind. We will never forget the cross. It's his moment of his victory. When was the victory declared? When did we know it was a victory? on Easter Sunday, when he rose from the dead. So now is a perfect time for us to revisit those, those images of our, of our Lord's glory, whether it be the Pieta, whether it be the crucifix, or the, or the crucifix that you have at home. Now, I do have a crucifix, an image of a crucifix with every wound and every blood stain and every cut. It's based on the Shroud of Turin, which I totally... Uh, love. I've been reading about that since I was uh, reading. And, and the Shroud of Turin turned into uh, an even more fascinating artifact or piece of art, I think, artifact. Um, years ago, when I first heard the speculation that the image on the shroud isn't from... Um, Obviously, pigment. There's flecks of pigment, but it's not as though the image of the man is pigment. Um, those are those are uh, discolorations of the one side of a thread um, from some kind of intense process, but very fast. And and it perfectly perfectly made sense when I heard someone first speculate that the image of our Lord on the shroud is the pulse of energy from the moment of his resurrection. Now, even if, even if you're the harshest skeptic and, and you think that the shroud is simply a piece of art, fine, it's, it's, it's one of the most awesome pieces of art depicting the most important man and the most important event in history. Knock yourself out. But it is... Uh, otherwise, there, there's... Uh, meditate on it. Um, but, but imagine how um, that image of our, Lord's, of our Lord's body in death 
could be the, the proclamation of his, of his resurrection. So I encourage you, all my brothers and sisters who are striving to be joyful, even when you're not happy, go back to the cross. Be with the cross. Be, be there. Be, go back to the cross on Easter Sunday. It's, it's empty. It still, it's got, it still has our Lord's blood on it. It's still horrible. It's disgusting. But our Lord's risen. We can embrace, uh, the, the, in, in faith, by, by Christian faith, we can embrace the worst of humanity and the greatest of humanity. We can, we can be aware of and carry the, the, the evil of the world, and we can bear the glory of God all at the same time. So, I would even say happy Easter is a weird expression. A lot of us aren't happy, but all of us who believe in Christ are blessed. And we can be filled with grace. If we spend this day and all of our days in the company of Jesus and Mary and the apostles, when they're on their good behavior. And the angels and the saints. We can smile, and people can think we're happy. That's fine. Um, or we might not be smiling and still be joyful and peaceful and filled with grace, and people might think we're, we're not filled with joy. And that's okay. But many of us need that grace of being with Jesus no matter what, no matter where we are, no matter what's happened, no matter who's gone, uh, no matter who's sick, no matter who's unemployed, no matter who's angry at us, no matter who's um, left, no matter who's uh, bereft, no matter who's unemployed, be with them and be with Jesus risen from the grave. He has conquered sin, evil, death, everything. What the world fears most, physical death, doesn't, doesn't concern us. It does concern us because we don't want it to happen to other people unexpectedly. But it will visit all of us. We want to be prepared for it. But the thing that the world considers the absolute worst, we're not afraid of anymore. We're bulletproof. Christ is risen. Hallelujah. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.